Hey, I'm Nate Flax. I'm Noah Longworth-McGuire. And this is Talking Lion. Talking Lion is a podcast focused on artist-to-artist conversation. We're primarily artists, a duo called Sleeping Lion, but we've been lucky enough to write, produce, and hang out with so many incredible rising artists since we started our project. Whether it's at sessions or parties or over cups of coffee, we've talked with our creative friends about everything. Music, life, love, and all the subtle complexities that come with being in the middle of a journey. Talking Lion is about hitting record in these conversations and sharing them with you. There's no real structure, nothing really prepared, just friends talking about life and what it's been like and where it's going. We recorded this episode with our longtime friend, Jackie Foster. We met Jackie in college and shared a couple of bills with her band at the time called Self Portraits. I actually even interviewed her years ago when I hosted a radio show on the Berkeley Internet Radio Network. We also worked together with some of our mutual friends on our single, Poison. Some context for this interview. Jackie recently moved to Los Angeles to continue working on her new music, and a few months ago, she put out her single, Great Escape. She was also a contestant on season 14 of The Voice, placing seventh after being on the teams of Kelly Clarkson, Alicia Keys, and Adam Levine. An empowering powerhouse vocalist with a golden vision for her artistry, Jackie Foster wowed her fans on national television and continues to inspire people with her tenacity. So, without further ado, I'm Jackie Foster, and this is Talking Lion. Well, hello. What's up? Hey. Hey, thanks for, thanks for coming on. We were talking about it a bit earlier, but it's kind of cool, full circle having you on because back when we were in school, uh, mm-hmm. there was like the Berkeley Internet Radio Network, yep. and I used to just interview everybody I could, uh, which was like a bit of a process, but I loved having the friends in. And you're one of the first people that we had like in the little radio room. I know. And it um, got deep in that room too. Oh, that was really such a deep. good, yeah. I was such a good experience. And my parents even called me afterwards like, that was amazing. <laughs> like, oh, you should do that more. You should work with them more. I was like, okay, mom, relax. <laughs> well, you know, so, so technically this is our, our second interview. Technically, yeah, I know. I'm you know? lucky. Yeah, Am I the first is... one who gets the second interview? Probably. <laughs> no, there's a lot um, no, it's, no, it's, Well, and that's, the thing i mean the whole idea is like this in a lot of ways came out of that i was doing that back at school like mm-hmm. a lot of this came out of the fact that we had such a good time like interviewing our friends and we realized that our friends had such amazing stories to tell yeah. that we we're like well can't we do that uh more in other scenarios sure also, let's do it podcasting is so cool right now oh yeah can i tell you like Especially being a musician in my car right now, mostly I'm listening to podcasts more so than music, just because I listen to the same thing all the time. And my phone kind of sucks when it comes to music. Like I don't listen. I don't have like the downloaded songs to my phone. I just normally like throw on a playlist or something. So I get a little bit annoyed with my phone. So I normally throw on a podcast and they're the best. (laughs) So now I feel cool being on one, especially with you guys, because I know you. And when we were driving like out here, you know, we were listening to so many podcasts and, Mm -hmm. you know, we were really inspired by like what people were saying on the podcast. Even now, like we listen to music podcasts, film podcasts, and uh, I feel oftentimes more inspired by that than like, Mm -hmm. you know, when I hear, because when I hear a great song, I'm almost like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Like, I, you know, it's like, it's like, see, it's like becomes the white whale, right. you know, whereas a podcast is like, they seem really cool. Like that's yeah. inspiring. Like, yeah. Like you, know. like you learn so much. <laughs> and of course I'm the dark weirdo that only listens to crime podcasts. Like give me every dark, dirty detail. I want to like imagine the serial killer killing someone as I'm driving. Like there's <laughs> plenty of podcasts for that. Oh, I know. I know it's horrible, but no, I also listen. I get so many suggestions, um, of like podcasts to listen to especially like, you know, and the writer is or like the songwriting podcast, things like things like that. It's just there's so many cool things out there. And now 
You guys have that platform. Oh, you know, we're just, I I think, again, it it came really strongly out of just, you know, being there for friends. And and it came from our frustrations with how a lot of interviews work with people sort of in the come up stages of stuff. Mm -hmm. I feel like we have a lot of, you know, interesting things to say about like just sort of making it through the sort of current system. Well, what's really cool about like our sort of history together is, mm-hmm. is that like we've written together, yep. we've played shows together, we've all mm-hmm. hung together, we've gotten drunk together. Like mm-hmm. we, the, the whole gambit, I, I still like hi, almost like highlight of like the Boston experience was that show we played at the Red Room. Oh my gosh, yeah. it was one of the best we, like, shows. We opened yeah. for you guys and it was, not only was it like, completely sold out completely but there were people like being snuck in so i think they were like 50 people over capacity yeah i just remember the fire department got called it was amazing like that's when you know you that's you you killed it oh my god that's when you're like i made it not really but (laughs) no i definitely felt like like that was one of those times i'm like this is cool like i made it and also it was you know it was a free show Mm -hmm. during orientation week at berkeley so like an entire like generation of Berkeley students like went to that show because it was like the free yep. thing to do on like a Tuesday or whatever. Which and, you, like, you can hear the gears of like <laughs> like Gopin and Jago like just like going. You can hear <laughs> they're like okay well what would be the best free show we could pick? Right. Orientation week. Orientation let's week. Yeah. Let's do it. Parents are in town. They can come. Although I'm pretty sure there were like no parents there yeah, it was, it was, that it was, I could think all, of. It was like a lot of Berkeley freshmen. I like there were people like years later who were, who would like come up to be like oh yeah, like I know you from that one Red Room show. Like well if I, I remember correctly yes. you, you meant you're like your best friend, like Adam. Yeah, like, that's 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 how Adam and I became friends. He like roadied the he, show. He carried my keyboard. <laughs> he was just like was friends with Jacob Harelick and he walked into my room the day of the show and I'm like, will you carry my keyboard to the red room? He's like, sure. And Jacob Harelick now plays drums for us. The yeah. rest is history. The rest, rest is history. history. That show was a big starting off point, I think, kind of for for like all of us because I think that that show too. So solid- I mean, I, okay, from my personal experience at Berkeley. It was no like shy thing to understand that rock wasn't really accepted or that people were so afraid of it because no one was really doing it at Berkeley. Like you'd have those like underground like metal bands that everyone kind of like knew they were the metal guys yeah. or like knew she sang rock. But for me, it was like I really wanted to try to like make that transition. And so we had done like a few shows here and there and like friends would come, but it was always like friends and homies, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it would always be in the basement of someone's house, like on a Friday night, Saturday night. And like, you know, it's a party more so than it is a show. <laughs> and I think once we all booked that show, I think too, because our you guys have friends at Berkeley and I had friends at, like we had friends at Berkeley as self-portraits. And I think because we all brought everyone there together, that night for me solidified like, damn, this is this, I'm doing the right thing. And yeah. like, I'm being heard. And I remember so many friends of mine that had never heard our music just come up to me saying, absolutely like that's what you need to do well this is it, it. in a lot of ways it sort of set the tone for what a lot of what we were doing at that point mm-hmm. too because i remember when we, when we came to school there were you know people in our year were establishing bands like mm-hmm. our self-portraits probably i think started freshman year right uh or freshman yeah it was i remember so i got they had already kind of started a band and yeah back in new york right yeah. back in new york and then they took it to berkeley and then they were looking for a female singer and the funny part is, I don't know if you guys know this story, but Chris Drago and I went to Five Week together, but we didn't know each other at Five Week at the time. This was back when like his band wasn't self-portraits, but he had another rock band with a female lead singer. Which and I vaguely remember from like New York yes, stuff. Yes, yeah. exactly. So 
basically I was in the rock workshop during five week, which is like this specialized workshop, <laughs> they call it, which shout out to Marty Walsh. I love you. <laughs> and um, apparently he showed his female lead singer in the band a video of me singing at the BPC <laughs> being like, you need to do that. Whoa. And then Whoa. years later, we're both at Berkeley at the same time. And Chris finds out that I'm there. And he reached out to me being like, I've got this rock band. We're looking for a female singer. We're going to send you a song, the instrumental only, and we want you to write a song over it, like your own lyrics, your own melody. Like that was my audition process. Wow. Trying out for the band. Was that after they had put out that song that kind of like, kind of flopped a little yeah. bit? And they, they yeah. Were, they were, I think they were really embarrassed of, yes. of that. They, they talked about it when we had them on the show <laughs> four years ago. Um, yeah, it didn't turn out the way that they wanted it to, so they figured going a different angle might be the best bet. And so that's when they had reached out. And they, apparently they were auditioning a bunch of different girls at that time. And I wrote this song, and the song wound up being Dreamcatchers, which oh, yeah. is the title of our first ever EP that we released. <laughs> and it was that song. Now, Dreamcatchers went through many facelifts, <laughs> including rewriting the entire song on the day of the recording. What? Like it was wow. that song. We had a love hate relationship with that song. I get, I mean, when we recorded like Patient Creature, you know, we had a, a violinist coming in for one song and then mm -hmm. decided on the fly that we wanted her on rug. And then it became the most prominent part of rug but like yeah. I, like to rewrite the whole song is a talk whole about other stress yeah no i can <laughs> yeah talk about having to be good at songwriting yeah, yeah that, i think that's like when i learned songwriting i wasn't even a songwriting major at school either and i had i didn't really like dive, none of us dive were, deep yeah. into songwriting until i got into college and then that was i remember i was also on vacation with my family and i had to take the long island railroad oh yeah l-i-r-r -R, isn't that what yeah, the lure, lure. Yeah. had to take it all the way into the studio and then we spent the night and like recorded it and then went back to my family met him in Times square and i was like yeah so we rewrote the entire song <laughs> that was fun but no that was just a good experience and i love i mean self-portraits was such a those were like the glory days well, what was cool. really interesting was that because like by the time noah and i like even had like the twinkle in our eye for the the project mm -hmm. dreamer and son the walk off yeah. you guys like all of these bands that and that were doing really well, like Dylan Dunlop too, like yeah. everybody was doing really well like around us and we felt really discouraged. We were like, Ugh. we came in too late to the game. Like we came in too late to like make any kind of like mark. Yeah. And I think one of the things that was really sort of a, a turning point for us that really felt like we were invited to the cool kids table was when we played that show with you guys. <laughs> Because Are you to me? We felt we felt like the cool kids, even though like we were headlining the <laughs> event. Okay, so what? You're the last singer, like you're the last band of the night. I really feel like headlining is headlining is means so that you don't get to leave your stuff on at right, the soundcheck. Right, yeah. exactly. <laughs> headlining means you have to force everyone to stay the entire night to stay for you, right? Yeah. But we felt the same. It's so funny you say that because we felt the same way about you guys. Because there was so you say like, okay, maybe we came late to the table, but we were already hearing not only knowing you guys, but like hearing the buzz around your project and the things that you were doing and how innovative it was and how different it was from every other person that was doing music at Berkeley, like we felt like the basic ones and you weren't. Oh, because that, that's shocking for us because we were just in the dorm <laughs> like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah, like, we, don't uh, we don't know how to make electronic music. We don't know, yeah. Like we're, we're, I mean, that's that's the classic, like everybody, you know, gets sort of in their head. It's not, oh, it's not yeah. even false. like straight up when we started, we were like, I think this is cool, but it's also could be really, really lame. And, uh, and look at you now. Like, hey, well, yeah. Look at us now. Still hey. trying to make it not lame. Uh, <laughs> 
but no, it was it was just it was just an interesting time. I think also was really like kind of cool in context is at the after party, mm-hmm. I met Christiana. Yep. And wound up writing a song with her later on and, and whatnot. But I remember going up to her and being like, "You look like Ariana Grande." She's like, "Yeah, everybody says that." I'm yeah. like, <laughs> and then that year, I'm pretty sure the year after she dressed up as Ariana yeah. Grande yeah. for but, Halloween. But I'm like, I, I literally, I was like, I was drunk and I was exhausted because we played the song. I'm like, that's all I have to say. I, I'll see you. Like, you look like Ari. Peace. See you around. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and that's so funny. It was, just, it was just, it's so funny in in, in retrospect. Absolutely, um, but it's that's uh, college. That's college. Woo, woo. <laughs> that's, well, it is interesting to think about. I mean, we did the um, what was it called? The where you're frozen. Oh, that was at my birthday. Oh, I see. That I'm, was I'm, my twenty. I'm a mannequin. The mannequin challenge. The mannequin challenge. I'm blending. I'm blending those two parties together. But yeah, okay, I remember so, that. Okay, so yeah, because I'm pretty sure. The after party was still at Chris's house after that show. But then my 21st birthday, which, whoa, do I remember that? Absolutely not. (laughs) Um, I remember like we all decided to do that mannequin challenge and we slayed. You were amazing. Literally. We slayed. There was one person, we'll not name names, who blinked. And it was right at the end too. Right at the the end. It was last like three seconds of the video. And I was like, come on. Come on. Why'd you ruin it? Together. If it wasn't for that, maybe it would have gone viral. Maybe we'd all be famous at this yeah, point. Maybe, you know, going viral is the way to go now. Truly, truly. <laughs> have you heard of this thing called YouTube? You can go viral on wow. it. Wow. Have you heard of TikTok? Let yeah. me tell you, I I was, I I was joking is, and now I'm not joking and now my heart hurts. Yeah. I don't know if this is like horrible, but I guess <laughs> this is, you know, it's so funny because like as artists, we're so much more than like the music makers. We have to be the brand. We sure, have yeah. to be everything. I was talking to a buddy of mine during a session and he, I was telling him about my music and he's like, well, have you ever tried those like Vine things? First of all, I was never a Viner, nor did I ever have the app on my phone. I didn't either. I, I, missed I didn't. The, I missed the whole thing. And what's really funny is a, like a solid friend of mine from high school wound up becoming like Vine famous. He, he did it and like blew up like right out of high school. It's amazing. And I didn't know anything about anything. But then when I moved out here, I'm like, oh, like I'll head up game. I'm like, oh, he's got a million followers on Instagram. I mean, it's insane. Like, like, it's all about these little small apps that are these little 15 second videos. Like, to me, TikTok is kind of like what Vine was. Yeah. But it's what's really cool is so I joined TikTok because the guy told me, he was like, if you really want to make it, you just need to like get on the train, even if it's super annoying. And like, I kind of have to get out of my head because I, I'm such like a bubbly, like light person. I'm constantly smiling. If you know me, like, I don't think I ever am not smiling unless I'm really pissed at you, (laughs) which is very rare. But, um, I, I joined TikTok and I started doing like TikTok videos and I'm looking at these people and these videos are beyond basic. It could literally be like you doing a little dance move, shuffling forward and then shuffling back. And they have 2 million views. No, on yeah. it. Not only that, like, like, like Y2K now has like, like his career just exploded off of TikTok. Yeah. But then if you even look back, like back a little bit more, like, like February 14th of 2018 was when Bozzy happened. Yeah. Because when the mine filter came out, I mean, that was the ball game. Like there, there, there was before that and there was after that. Yeah. And it's exactly. just crazy how these like little things can have these like really like huge impacts. But then how everybody's still trying to like get virality, like that's a strategy. It is. It's, it's and that's my strategy right now because well, well, what? 
you think it's not a strategy. Well, what I mean to say is that you can't force virality. No, exactly. It has to come from an authentic place. It has to be very natural. And I think that that's why I joined TikTok because in, in my opinion, I'm going through this very interesting like revamping of my artistry, right? Because I was self-portraits. Yeah. Like people knew me as Jackie Foster in self-portraits. Well, now I'm in this new area of I'm just Jackie Foster. Like, this is me. I'm going to work on my artistry, the stuff that I want to do. Not like I couldn't do that in self-portraits, but... But there was a committee. Yeah, there was a committee. So it was five different opinions on one matter, where this is now me, one mind, one matter. Yeah. And and so I, I joined TikTok with the intention of... Well, maybe if it's not just my music that could be heard, maybe it's my personality that can be seen. Maybe it's, I mean, as shallow as it sounds, but like maybe it's the way you look because that's what a lot of these apps are. It's what you look like. Well, and it it is worth noting that self-portraits was you and four other guys. So whereas like there are are pressures online Mm -hmm. for women that men don't even understand. Like, and I... I'm mansplaining that on the bias. <laughs> but like also to say that like Chris and John or Gray like wouldn't yep. necessarily have to be under the same kind of spotlight or level of like critical eye yeah. that like you you are. And I remember you know? even in self-portraits, like Chris was always so smart. He was always thinking of the next thing that we could do to like make us go further as a band. And he was like, Jackie, you should start doing like makeup tutorials and post them on our Facebook page. And this is back when makeup tutorials were kind of getting started, but... And I do my own makeup, but let me tell you, I am no pro, okay? <laughs> I'm like the basic, I'm just going to do whatever it takes just to look good on stage and not like go overboard. And I remember thinking like, maybe that's smart, but at the same time, I was like, aren't most of our listeners men? <laughs> so no, I don't want to do a makeup tutorial, but now like as I'm a solo artist, it's like, okay, what can I do? Because I do have a lot of, if I look at my Instagram following, it is like an astonishing amount of women that follow me versus men. And that's great to me. And then the age range, I always thought I was like, because of the voice, I thought my range range was always going to be like 13 to 18. But my age range is like 25 to 35. So I'm like, (laughs) hell yeah. I have these like accomplished people that like, if I cuss on my Instagram, I'm not going to feel bad because like- (laughs) Their moms aren't aren't putting on like- The moms are like, yeah, we don't want to deal with it either. Like talk the truth. So- it's just kind of cool the way social media works. Well, and I think what's really, uh, I was talking to a friend of ours about it. I think what has always been the case about not just social media, but media in general is mm-hmm. that people can tell authenticity. I think mm-hmm. it comes down to songs. I think it comes, I mean, I think there are definitely surrogates. I think sometimes people would rather have fun than face authenticity, though there is an authenticity to fun. But I think, you know, people who do try to make, like you can, any video that has made you cringe, there is a level of showmanship that yeah. is not, Again, because there is authenticity in showmanship, but it's it's showmanship for the sake of virality, and that's yeah. I think the part where it gets really dicey. I totally. think what's cool is that if you like stay, you know, stay true to that, and you're cussing and whatever. Because I because I remember like I remember the stories after the voice, not from nothing, but I know you. Like yeah. we we have had plenty of conversations, and you were really sweet and really kind, and like yeah. you know, but not like you also have a biting edge to it, and that wasn't there, you know. And it's like <laughs> you know, what's so funny is I always got that feedback when when I was in the band. The guys would always say to me, and I say like, oh, I could cuss now because like that's what my demographic <laughs> is. I barely ever cuss if you know me. And no, I'm yeah. not, like most, okay, it was so cool. When I, I played Lollapalooza this August and one of my favorite artists right now is B. Miller. Oh, like, she's great. Yeah. Hello. Between songs, but, she like holds the mic like a stand-up comedian and yes. she is a pistol. She's so funny. She is a pistol and she's just going off and she's like 
cussing left and right, like not in like a vulgar way, but just in like a, this is who I am and I'm going to show it and I'm proud of it. Right. And I'm sitting there in the audience going, gosh, she's so freaking cool. <laughs> like, ah, but, and then I always got the critique, like from the boys in the band being like, Jackie cuss more. And I'm like, <laughs> Like if I'm, if I'm feeling it, I'll do it. Yeah. But me just being me is, I don't know. I just don't ever like really cuss. I'm the worst. I think what's cool about B is it's not just about cussing. It's like, it's everything. It's yeah. Like, you know, she's the whole package. Like she is that gritty girl that is unapologetically herself, whatever that means to her. And that like is what she is. And we're, and we're talking about creative and stuff. Like we're talking about like in going to the new year, what like the mm-hmm. brand is. Like yeah. Lion, but the big thing that we keep coming back to is like, okay, well, what are we and how does that inform the brand? I mean, that's right. always been the case. Yeah. If you try to shoot, like if you try to bring a brand to an artist or like, you know, or or an artist tries to sort of fit the kind of mold, yeah. it will come off yeah. as forced or at the lower end, at least just in, inconsistent. Yeah, You're and not, it's not believable. Yeah. Like this is obvious to yeah. us. <laughs> like doing this is obvious to us. It's not a, it's not a brand. It's right. that we talk and we hang with people and we like figuring out why anybody would be in this crazy industry and and everything this made sense but if like somebody were to start a podcast and they don't like talking to people Um, and hello that's gonna flop yeah that's gonna flop it's just not gonna make sense no it doesn't and anytime i see you guys too in public at a show like even when i saw you at school night the other night like one thing that I think podcasting is great for you guys is because you are such talkative people. Like when I ran into you there, you asked me questions that like nobody ever really asks me, <laughs> which is why like I think podcasting works so well with you guys. So um, no, I, and that's that's the thing too is like like in my head it was always about community. Like mm-hmm. I you know I want to have like a like a lunch where everybody who's been on the show like can hang and meet too because that's awesome. at school night you know I saw you and then I saw like a manager friend. I'm like. Hey, you two should know, I know each other. I know, and then you like, literally yeah. saw a friend of yours that's like, he's a dope producer. Let me link you guys up right now. And it's like, <laughs> you're just one of those like friendly people that wants to connect others. And I think that they're like, we need more people like you. It's chaos. Especially it's chaos. out here. And this is no shame. I always say shame, but like no- Shade. Shade. Thank you. Similar word. Kind of the same. <laughs> Um, but no shade towards Los Angeles, but I will tell you, I had major anxiety, like the thought of moving here, because I think if you guys ever do like that numerology kind of thing, like what number you are, have you ever taken no, that test? I, no. I found out my love language today. That's oh, <laughs> what is it? Uh, I really like uh, uh, words of affirmation. Me too. Uh, I think I'm quality time. Quality sure. time. Yeah. I know Brandon's like, a, a, I think his is. Touch is first and quality time is second. Oh, mine is quality time first, words of affirmation second, physical touch third. Physical touch, yeah. yeah. Receiving gifts is a hard two. Okay. Like okay. very much on the low end. On the low uh, end. I don't, I don't. I think I, the way that I show it is I like, I'm words of affirmation and I give gifts, but the way that I want it is like shower me in love. Yeah. Like tell me how much you love me. <laughs> tell me I'm beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Like that's that's my love language. I love it. But there's um, the number test that I think is called numerology. Pretty sure. And I took it online and I found out that I'm a number two. So what that means is I'm the type of individual that wants peace and harmony. And I want to make sure that people are heard, that they're listened to, that I'm giving them the time of day. And But the thing about number twos is that if I give it to you, I kind of expect it back. Right. Whereas what's very similar to a number two is a number nine, which are people just like love, harmony. I don't care if you give it to me. I'll just like, I'll just give it out in the world and peace and love. And that's all I want. Me, I'm kind of like a little bit 
bitter where I'm like, okay, I'm going to give it to you. But Keeping low, tabs like, on low key, Are you going to give it back to me? Because <laughs> this is not cool if it's not so. So I think my fear about moving to LA was I'm that type of person. Like I'm going to give and give and give and then like hopefully expect something back. And, you know, you always hear when people move to LA, some people change, they get caught up in like the LA lifestyle, the LA culture. And like, I'm just like a very like grounded girl from San Diego that just doesn't like tend to really care much about like what I'm looking like or how I dress or how I act. Like I'm just nice and bubbly. And I was so afraid that like I'd move out to LA and people would just be so off-putting. Like, oh, you're another artist? Cool, get in line. Like, I was so fearful of that happening, moving to LA, especially because I was starting over again because right. the band had had gone separate ways. And like coming here, I'm so happy with how welcoming and warm I mean, everyone the is. the community here is absolutely incredible. Holy like, crap. That is surprisingly yeah. so. Like, right? <laughs> I was like, you know, even like when I ran into you, you're like, here's a producer. I'm going to make sure you work with him. I was like, oh, wow. Thank you. Like, I appreciate that. On the one hand, like, you know, like, you know how we started. Like, my life changed on, like, the conversation with a stranger, Mm -hmm. like, on the corner, uh, you know, in Cambridge. Yeah. Like, if that hadn't happened, it'd be a whole different thing. So, in, in a lot of ways, like, in that moment, like, my entire belief structure suddenly like centered on one thing which was chaos yeah like that life can change on a conversation or can change in ways that the people who change life don't even know for me it's not about like credit necessarily i mean credit obviously i'm working on something but like for me it's not about credit it's not about clout it's not about like whatever it's i don't want want to feel like my life was wasted Mm -hmm. i think i want to if I were to like accidentally like wonderful life myself, uh, I want to know that like you know I, I want I, if I were to wonderful life myself, I want everybody to be a little bit a little bit different. Yeah, you know I want I, I want things to have been more positive because I was there. Whether or not I know that, like I know Val and Peter. Um, yep. like met at my birthday party, but I, like, I haven't written a single song with either right. of them. Like, like they're doing their thing and I, like, I don't want to touch that. It's great. Right. They're doing great. Like I am just happy that like, because I had a birthday, yeah. new music's being made. Yeah. Like, because I went out to school night, like a new song is being made. Like, That's and so- there is that selfishness to it, which is the wonderful lifeness of the yeah. thing. But I'm not necessarily expecting anything in return, but it's not about harmony for me. It's about chaos. It's like. Yeah. What ways like because you, you know you can't expect anything. you can't expect equal return on anything it's yeah just like mm-hmm. things are gonna happen how they're gonna happen I know and you know because because if it comes if it comes back to you know I I think I have a hard time with feeling indebted mm. I think if somebody does something really nice for me you know it's like when somebody like like kind of digs you like like yeah. when somebody like like makes a, makes like a joke like that is a joke I mean it's funny it's like a funny little insult but you just fire back with the meanest shit you can think about <laughs> like that's me when it comes to gifts like somebody does like a little nice thing and I plan like an elaborate like return gift I'm like here's three days <laughs> three days to Cancun yeah, no, I'm just yeah. kidding <laughs> I have such a hard time just like ha- like even just like small generosity yeah oh my um, gosh <laughs> Hey, so, but you know what? But everyone needs that. Yeah. But you also need to realize that you don't have to give that. Back. I know. I know. You I don't have to. I, I I think I think it just I don't want anybody to feel like a martyr on my behalf. I get that. Thanks, I get that. mom and dad. <laughs> Thanks for teaching me this. Thanks yeah. for teaching me. Really appreciate it. Yeah, they wielded Jewish guilt like a <laughs> serrated knife. Yep. <laughs> I love that. I love it. I love Welcome it. Welcome to therapy. Okay. Uh, no. All is to say. Yeah. You know, I'm happy you're here because there's a good. There is this good community here, and I think that like the the one sort of like cardinal rule of the thing is like 
come at it with an open mind, come at it with an open heart, like come at it, you know, ready to put in the work if need be. Nobody's entitled to nothing. Um, Like you're not entitled to anything. They're not entitled to you. Right. Come at it from that place of mutual respect and nobody ever feels like they're, you know, feathers are being rustled. Yeah. Ruffled? Ruffled. Ruffled. Ruffled Like the chip? Yeah, stay humble. Or rustled? Rustled. No, I'm pretty sure it's ruffled. Ruffled, yeah. Rumpelstiltskin? Rumpel who? (laughs) So time. Time. So time. (laughs) I really love that song. I remember Uh, I think the first time I heard it was when you guys played it in the radio station. Yeah, that song is like a baby to me. And even though I'm carrying a child. No, I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) She's with child. I am with child and her name is Time. (laughs) Brandon, this is how you're going to find out. Yikes. You're going to be a guy. (laughs) Brandon, don't worry. We have a long time to wait. (laughs) Trust me. Um, Shout out to him, by the way. Also, (laughs) you guys are both just like the craziest singers in like different directions. Like it's just, I remember um, we we have a a cover of... uh, Feeling good yeah. that you both sang, and it's like, like one oh my is gosh, like that was so good. I forgot. I know about that. that. I was oh. thinking about that on the plane the other day. Like I was like, whatever happened to that? Like that's we should do something with that because it was oh, so should. cool. So good. And it hey. totally should have been a beer commercial. It totally should. Yeah, have been. Okay. I it was agree. For, but like, like they didn't take it. Brandon's is like like Michael Bublé, and yeah. like yours is like Ella Fitzgerald. Like it was just like like with a little bit of Janis Joplin. Like right. it was just like like opposite sides of like the sort of you know loungy like bluesy spectrum but it was so cool to hear you both sing the same thing you know how i feel it's a new dawn it's a new day it's a new life for me and i'm feeling him and i've been working together a lot like Okay, those of you that don't know, I have a boyfriend. His name is Brandon Diaz. He's amazing. He's very talented. Um, We've been together for three years now. So, and we like instantly fell for each other right off the bat. So we say it's like three and a half, four years that we've been in each other's lives. And I kid you not, the first time I heard him sing, which is the same day that we like wound up speaking to each other, he was singing some Christmas song. And he also sang Senorita, which Senorita is like his go-to song, Justin Timberlake. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, but he's singing this song, and I listen to him sing. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> like, who is this beautiful specimen, and why does he sound like this? <laughs> Where have you been all my life? Oh my gosh, he just like inspires me all the time. And I think that it's it's so many people say maybe don't date someone that's like in the same industry as you because. You might compete with one another, yeah, yada yada yada. Plus the timing that we both were on reality shows at the same time, like Which, that was some other crazy. Yeah, yeah shit. that was yeah. not planned. Not planned. You guys just both found out at the same. Found out at the same time. <laughs> and um, funny story, side note: I was supposed to be on American Idol with him. Wow. We were supposed to go in the same room and audition together in front of the celebrity judges. He would go first, and I would stand and watch him, and then I would go. That was what was gonna happen. We were both gonna be on American Idol. And then literally three days before I like go out for that audition, I get the call from The Voice being like, we found you online, we want you, oh we wanna God. fly you to the blind auditions. Like it was just Damn. quick, it was it was no audition. I didn't have to audition for the show. It was like, we want you, come out. They poached like, you. Yeah, literally. <laughs> 
So it was just funny that like we both got to experience everything on separate terms, but could be there for one another when we needed to. Like, of course, like when he got voted off, like I tried to be there as much as I possibly could to be able to comfort him and like show him warmth and show him it's going to be okay. And then when I was going on the show, like every week when I, and he flew out and like came to one of the recordings to watch me, which was hands down like one of the coolest things to see him in the audience. But like he would call me after every episode aired crying he was like that was so beautiful i love you (laughs) (laughs) so it was just it was really cool to have someone in this industry regardless of the reality shows but that we write together now if i have a song like i'll be like oh i'll hum a melody he'll go let's go in the studio and like he'll run in this in the room and start playing guitar to like whatever I hummed. It's just, he inspires me so much to want to work on music more. And I think that like after college, like that spark between us as, as individuals who love music just grew. I don't know if you knew this. I didn't entirely know you were going to be on the show until I was on an airplane. (laughs) Uh, scrolling through the live channels. You texted me when this happened. Yeah. You literally, because wasn't it? It was like on JetBlue. Yeah, Jet, direct so I, TV. I had Wi-Fi. So it, it, I was like scrolling through the channels and then like, like I was scrolling, your face pops up, scroll again. I'm like, wait, hold on, go back. I'm like, <laughs> I literally I'm like, remember. I, I texted Noah, I texted you. I'm like, wait, were you on TV? Like, <laughs> You literally text me, you're like, I'm pretty sure I'm in the middle of a JetBlue flight right now. And um, why are you on my TV screen? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think I remember, so funny. I think I posted um, a video and then it wasn't until I landed that I realized that there was no sound. So I was listening <laughs> with my headphones. You're like, yeah, ah, dang it. It was, uh, that, it was just like a kind of crazy way to like realize yeah. that. Because at that point, you know, I've been in Los Angeles and you guys are still in school. Yep. I'm bummed, by the way, I missed graduation because rumor has oh. it you crushed oh. Uh, oh. Defying Gravity. I was there which is my favorite song ever (laughs) (laughs) i was i so when they we're hopping around but like we're hopping around i know people are gonna be like these people are crazy they cannot stay on a subject we will go back to time listen we're friends okay (laughs) so we're gonna jump all over (laughs) we're catching up (laughs) we're catching up okay graduation so i missed my graduation because of the voice so i was supposed to be a graduate of 2018 funny side note i have two degrees one from 2018 and one from 2019 (laughs) you recorded a video i remember yes for his graduation yes so i recorded a video being like you know i'm so sorry i can't be there because i was supposed to sing at my graduation in 2018 Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, just kind of like did a little video. Sorry, I couldn't be there. Well, I talked to Roger Brown, who's the president of Berkeley, and he offered and extended the invite that I could walk with the following class mm-hmm. as, you know, just because of the circumstances that I was in. And let me tell you, I was bawling my eyes out during graduation, the one I was supposed to be a part of in the hotel. Like, this is like a sad scene. I'm like eating popcorn, <laughs> watching the live stream of our graduation, <laughs> sobbing, crying, cool. being like, I wish I could be there. And then everyone's like, what the hell are you talking about? You're filming for The Voice. I'm like, yeah, but still, I want to be there. <laughs> I, I went I went in for his, which would have been mine. Right. And I, I made a little mark in the program of where I would have been. Right. And Write your name. <laughs> yeah, I just, like, I, I, I was just a little arrow. Like, between, like, you know, somebody, somebody, Flaberg, Flaberg, Flaberg. and somebody, somebody, Flackmer. Right, right. Those are names. Those are real names. <laughs> Those are real names. Sure. And, and when, when it went from Flaberb to Flackberb. Those like, are real, real names. I, I, and I knew that Flax would have been between those two. I was like, 
I got wistful. I don't, yeah. had a single wistful tear. In my it was sad. What could have been? It was sad. And then luckily, I got to walk the the next year, and they're like, "Yeah, so Alec Lackmore is one of the graduating people, and he's like the brains with Lin Manuel, who did In the Heights, who did Hamilton, who did uh, Dear Evan Hansen. Dear Evan Hansen. Like he's just a freaking genius. Probably, mm-hmm. yeah, one of the more successful jazz composers out of Berkeley. Absolutely. So they're like, we're gonna do this, and the wrong man I, now, Ross Collins thing. Yeah. I never even knew that he had a hand in Wicked. I'm like, but he freaking did. And then they're like, you're going to sing Defying Gravity. I was like, yeah. Like literally the theater Which is roughly the note you have to hit at the end, right? Right, right. (laughs) So yeah, they gave me Defying Gravity. And then um, they wanted me to paint myself fully in green. I said, absolutely not. This is my college graduation. Okay. Love the incentive. Love the thought. You want me to be Elphaba. But listen, I'm about to sing in front of Alec Lackmore and Mr. Justin Timberlake, okay? I'm not going to be freaking and, green. And Missy Elliott, right? And Missy Elliott. But yeah, um, Defying Gravity was just one of those moments that I was like, is this, like, I felt like I was flying. Like, literally, an alphabet does fly, but did they, I felt. They didn't lift you up, did they? Right. They didn't lift me up, but you saw it, right? I had to, like, run down yeah. that little center yeah. median. Okay. intense. I made a little meme of myself. It's on my Twitter if you go and you scroll back. <laughs> my dad was so mad that I did this, but I was like, I'm going to make, I'm going to laugh at myself. I think we as artists get the chance to go back and make a mockery of ourselves on something that we know we messed up on. Like that to me, like shows your true self. Well, I felt amazing during Defying Gravity. What you don't know happened is that I didn't have monitors on the ground. And then they tell me I have to freaking run out in the middle of that thing. So the sound is much better on the proper stage versus on the extended stage. So I'm running out to the extended stage and I'm, you know, you know, nobody is ever gonna bring me down. So I get to that part. If you go back and you watch the video, it's on my Twitter, I go, bring me down. (laughs) And my pitch just goes. It's the one spot in the entire song that literally my pitch just literally like the Wicked Witch melted. Like it just went down. And I was, and I saw Which I don't think anybody noticed because we were just too busy being yeah, like, you can't notice Jackie it. Jackie just sang Defying Gravity. Right. And like, in, in the in the audience, it sounded amazing. And then I went back to listen. I'm like mortified. I'm like, oh my God, I thought I killed it. Like I got off stage. I cried. I was like, that's the best I ever sang. And then I listened to the video. I'm like, what the fuck just happened? Sorry. <laughs> I said the F word, guys. You can curse. This is, we're not on the burn anymore. I yeah. know, that's we true. We can curse. Cuss all you want. Hey, baby. Hey, Even though I don't be you. Much. You be you. Yeah. But yeah, so I, so on my Twitter, what I did is I put the meme. I like have it me singing. And then I I overlaid the note with, with the Wicked Witch melting at the same that's time. That's awesome. That's great. It's really funny. So if you want to check out my Twitter, <laughs> scroll back a few and you'll find it. Just, just a year. You know, just go yeah. back. I mean, I can't believe it's almost 2020. That's some crazy. I know. And with that segue, isn't time crazy? Yeah, we've been, we're supposed to be talking about time this time. entire time. Time. Okay. Time is a great song. Thank it made you. me cry, especially oh. when you play it live. Um, I want to know what uh, inspired it and I want to know what your favorite line is from it and how and how that came to be. Time is a true story about my ex. With him is what I experienced love really to be like. Um, we had dated for two years. We met at the senior year of high school and he moved and he moved to DC. 
So I'm in California, he's in DC, I got into Berkeley, he got into Richmond. And so he's down in Virginia and I'm at Berkeley and we started doing long distance. And I loved him so deeply, but I loved him more than he could ever love me. And I kind of knew that about our relationship. And it's it's not his fault, but he would always say how he never wanted to get married. He never wanted to have kids. He wanted to live a bachelor lifestyle. And me being like the most hopeless romantic. That's like, a red flag. The, the, the other two are like, okay, those are things you can work out. The last right. one's like, well. What? I signed myself yeah, up for it. Like, yeah. Oh, I totally stayed way longer than I should have. I know that now. And, and also, I think a big red flag in any relationship is if your friends genuinely do not like the guy you are dating or the girl you are dating, and these are like your closest friends, you need to take a listen to the people who love you dearly. Because a lot of times they have a really good insight as to what's going on because you're always clouded by by your relationship and what you've experienced. And oh, it's not really that bad. It's not as, as bad as I say it to be to you guys. Time was written about our relationship, realizing that like our hearts no longer aligned, even though I wanted it to so, so, so badly. I wrote that song about a month after we broke up. We broke up basically a day after our two-year anniversary. And I was the one who broke it off. I'd never broken up with anyone ever. Because I was always the girl got, that got dumped at like the four month mark. I had like the four month. <laughs> oh, curse. I, I'm 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 I'm, a, I'm currently approaching it. And I'm like, please don't. Right, you're I'm, like, please. I'm like, like break the move cycle. Move past the home. Yeah, move past the home. One more. One more. So I broke five. up with him because I just realized I had way more bad things that outweighed the good things in our relationship, and I was trying so hard to make it work, and it just. He was stubborn and I knew that about him and I just tried to make it work and it didn't. So I broke up with him and then Gray one day sends me this voice memo of the guitar line that he sends it to me and I was sitting in my dorm room. This is like in January and um, I sat there and I just started crying and I wrote every lyric to the song and melody in 30 minutes. I just sat down. It was 30 minutes. And I've never changed a single lyric or a single melody in the song since the day I wrote it. And I think like one of my favorite lyrics that I kind of shocked myself when I wrote it um, is the beginning of the second verse where it goes sad. It's so sad to think I'm waiting on you. Like I'm waiting for you to do something that makes me feel like this is going to work out. And then the line following that is um, while I'm picking up the pieces of what you've neglected to do. That to me is like one of the most emotional lyrics of the song that I wrote because it was so true about what I was feeling. Like in my relationship, I felt neglected. I felt like I had to do everything. I had to show the love. I had to do everything on his behalf and he never gave it back to me. Mm -hmm. So it was like I was picking up all the pieces of our relationship because you didn't want to or you couldn't. And that was like, that hands down is one of my favorite lyrics I've ever written. Well, I just, I I remember the first time hearing it was in that radio station with Mm -hmm. Gray playing it on the guitar and like everything. And it just, it hits. I mean, it's, it's, it just, I remember when it came out at school too, everybody really like came around for it. And and not just like a, like, whoa, this is a great song. Like there was that, but there was also just like, 
there's like a beating heart here. And I remember a lot of people really connecting with that when it came out. And I mean, um, you think about well, how long ago was that? Like four years ago four years that ago, song yeah. came yeah. out? And it's not even under my name. It's not under Jackie Foster. It's under self-portraits. And I have so many people that f- come to find the song, like either now that are current fans or like friends from back in college that all say that song to them still like hit them in a certain way that you know, maybe other songs don't, or that's very rare to find in music. Well, and that's why, you know, you talk, we, we can talk about, you know, making a, uh, you know, a mockery of stuff we do in the past, but we mm-hmm. don't, I mean, I still cringe at some of like the first stuff we did on like, on, I, I think we went a little bit too hard on morning coffee. I think, <laughs> you, I think you made me, uh, attempted to be eight different things all at once. Totally. But I, I think that like, if those songs mean something to somebody, like an acapella group called Under Arrested, uh, like an arrangement of You Made Me. Mm. I don't think it was until I heard that that I realized mm. that these songs that I've resented or these songs that like I felt a really strong way about before but now are very much part of my past and yeah. like a part of the past that I even laugh at now yeah. could, could still mean something to somebody and Absolutely. can still, I mean, I, I have the melody of time still playing in my head. I, I think it's been a couple of years since yeah. I heard it live. And, and that's the thing, I'm hearing it live. I'm not hearing the recording. I'm hearing when you guys played it at like the Red Room. Like that echoes like yeah. in, you know, and that was maybe 400 shows ago, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like so long ago. You know, but that's, that's I just. I should probably play it again in my sets. I don't play it anymore. You should. I, I know. Maybe should. rearrange it. Maybe. Well, yeah. that's it. I've yeah. been talking. So. Swing it, you know. Gray and Ethan <laughs> still play for me, like under Jackie Foster. Like mm-hmm. they're still in. They're still playing for me. I've even like toyed with the idea of what if I took the song and redid it and re-recorded it. I just, I love those songs so dearly. And even, okay, so with my current music that I'm working on now that I'm starting to write, I bring out a lot of songs that I started. Like I, there were so many songs in the band that we wrote that we never released and never even played Mm -hmm. ever live that I'm listening to now and going, wait, that's a really good structure of a pop song. And I'll take that song and I'll like, throw it in today's time in my current artistry now and start rewriting them and like doing that. I mean, that's what, I don't know. Well, and we've talked about it before. I mean, we all probably grew up on pop punk and oh. on Broadway. Yeah. And Hello. It, yeah. Right. <laughs> so that's the thing is that like some of the best hooks, even around the time when like, like obviously the Katy Perry school of pop was like incredible around yeah. the time we were growing up, but there was definitely like parts of like mid 2000 pop that, was trying to figure out what it was doing, especially when yeah. it came to hooks that I think pop punk did not struggle with. I don't yeah. think I th- Broadway, like more sort of contemporary theater did not struggle with. So, yeah. you know, growing up with Steven Schwartz and growing up with, you know, like, and, and Pippin and, and Wicked <sighs> growing up yeah, and Rent. I mean, Rent Hello. is hook after hook after yes. hook. Yes, great um, songs. And then you've got, you know, then you've got bands like, even like, from Escape the Fate yeah. to Coed and Cambria yep. to Blink-182. Mm-hmm. Grace had favorite. just like Yeah, just had like, like and those are different types of like punk, pop punk, whatever. Yeah, but a good melody is a good melody. A good melody is yeah, a good you melody. Yeah, you it. cannot argue it. Can we also talk about the fact that so many artists right now, like in the last month or so, are releasing songs that have an edge of rock? Like, have you heard Camila Cabello's song, Shameless? Yeah, mm-hmm. so good. So good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That is a I rock song. Yeah. Now I'm shameless. Like, well, I mean, Julia Michaels is a rock song. Julia Michaels, um, happy the the whole yes. the whole uh, pre-chorus is is a like you would hear that on a day to remember, like that yes. gang vocal, like. 
I love it. And, yeah. and like Halsey's nightmare. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, it gets me so excited because you always like when I was trying to get into the industry in college, everyone kind of laughed. They're like, oh, rock. Trying to do rock. Uh, yeah. No, pop it's, rock. It's electronic music now. It's happening. But now everyone's like, we're kind of sick of all the bleeps and bloops. What do we have? Guitars are cool. Guitars are well, cool. Drums are cool. cool. And I, I think it's telling that like some of the like the best like songs that have come out like are sampling. Yeah. Like trend. I mean, yeah, uh, so much Nine Inch Nails. Post oh Malone just did the the song with Ozzy with Osbourne. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With a freaking guitar solo. That's well, badass, people. <laughs> like, um, uh, Old Town Road. Yes. Samples Nine Inch Nails. Um, Charlotte Lawrence just put out a song called Navy Blue mm-hmm. that has like Charlie Puth, Ryan Tedder, oh like all of them, and it samples Hurt by Nine mm-hmm. Inch Nails, and, and it's also incredible. The other Charlie Puth production. Everyone's on a. Trent Reznor kick right now. Clearly, it's Charlie Puth and Louis Bell and Watt specifically because the um, Five Seconds of Summer song, Easier, yeah. by, which is a Charlie Puth song. <gasps> Such joint, a freaking good song. The, the beat from Closer. Yes. By Nine Inch Nails. That's like incorporated. It's just so cool because I feel like rock, and even though it's not outright like what people would think, oh, classic rock, like back in the days, Rolling Stones, whatever. It's not that. It is these melodies that are just like the type of melodies that you can hear a stadium just like. Yeah roaring well, over like, that melody. It's what Fall Out Boys and, and, and Panic and the, at the Disco are sort of going into. It's Death Cab for Cutie and Bon Iver mm-hmm. both being on Chance the record, yeah. uh, Chance the Rapper's record. It's, you know, I mean, it, it's playing out in like these very unexpected kind of ways. But I mean, but even going back to like Closer by the Chainsmokers, mm-hmm. that's the fray. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. over my head. Like it's just, yeah. it's all. Oh, what a great song. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but we're all being inspired by High School Musical. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's the moral of the story. That's the moral of the story. It that's all what I'm stems from, from High School, school Musical. musical. <laughs> it's just cool because it like it makes me feel like what I what I listen to as an artist because I listen to pop music, and then I also listen to like alt alt rock. I'll call it like you know the Haley Williams Paramore sure. type. Um, and I feel like right now with what's been coming out in the last few months, I have this giddy sense of like, oh my gosh, my music can fit here. Holy mm-hmm. crap. Like, this is my time. Go, Jackie. Go, go, go. Like, release now because that's what's coming out now. Yeah. Well, that's thing. I, I, even ballads, are, you mm-hmm. know, were, were often hard unless you were like Adele or like whatever. But then all of a sudden, like, you've got Louis Capaldi, which is like, could could straight up come from a Broadway show. Oh. Except for he sings it. Like, he's singing at like a rock show yeah. in like in the mid- middle of New York. Like, yeah. you know. America's Sweetheart, Louis Capaldi. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out. Shout out. Um, no, and so that's that's the thing is that like there are, there are like now is the time, and then I guess the sort of thesis of the whole thing that's tied together by B. Miller and Billie Eilish, et cetera, yeah. et cetera, is it doesn't fucking matter anymore. It doesn't. Yeah. Like now Genres? is the time. Yeah, now yeah. is the time. Don't to just exist. Do your thing. They're just getting yeah. phased out. It's just it's all about quality. Like and everybody, quality. everybody would always stress me out when they're like, "What genre do you sing?" I'm like. Oh. Yeah, you were always one of those people that was just like, I remember when we were in school, you're like, I literally I do know. everything. I do everything. Like, like what do like, you yeah, want what from me? Do you make? I'm like, what, what do you want me to do? I, I, I listen to like yes. African like psychedelic music and also like Post Malone. Like literally like <laughs> try me. Like I listen yeah, to Yeah, try it. me, please. <laughs> I like, make it. Like, test me. I'll give it to you. You know what I mean? And it's just so cool to be in this industry right now because genres don't exist. It's all about moods. It's yeah. about like these moods. And that's because Spotify created those playlists mm-hmm. that was like, let me give you a playlist about bubble baths. Not yeah. about, but like that you want to listen to when you have a bubble bath. bath. That's a mood. 
That's not a genre, it's a mood. And that's what I think is so cool right now because I never understood what kind of artist I was. Cause I was like, I love the influence of like this kind of grungy, even though I'm not a grungy singer, like I sing pure and straight. Like my tone is, it just cuts. I don't have any rasp. I don't have any of that. Like no cracks, no nothing. So I just like, I cut through. Powerhouse. I'm a powerhouse singer. I listen to pop. I listen to rock. I love R&B. Give me all the DNCE in the freaking world and Mm -hmm. I'll have a grand old time to it. So like, I never understood what I was and what I'm working on right now, like the the music that I'm going to slowly start releasing in in the next month actually is all music that is not defined by a genre now granted it's hard to pick the genre when you have to release it because you have to choose a genre that it goes under what's interesting about the the ideas of moods and genres and everything is that that's also corresponding with like consumer frustration yeah with Mm -hmm. hype machine songs playlist songs uh songwriter songs you know like essentially there there a lot of people are are now getting somewhat sick of hearing the sort of homogenization come alive in the yeah. stuff. So the things that are popping out are the things that, I mean, there is no other Lizzo. Like, yeah. there is no other Billie <laughs> Eilish. Yeah, and anybody who's trying to be like Billie Eilish is falling flat. Yeah, because yeah. no, you you, yeah, one, Billie Eilish is so good that yep. you're not going to get anything better than that if you want that fixed. So everyone's just trying to create crap. They don't carve out their own slice of pop music at this point. <laughs> in the same in the same sure. way that like when the 1975, everybody tried to sound like the 1975, I think three made it through the door and then the door slammed shut because we're like, <laughs> we get it. Yeah. You know, yeah. and it's like... It's it's so cool. So now's the, now's the time to make weird stuff. Weird, yeah. weird stuff <laughs> is in. And you know the group AJR? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, They've been so making weird wow. stuff for so long. Yeah. They've been doing it for so long and now they're just getting noticed. And like, I saw them at Lala and it was the coolest experience. Do you know that they handed out Chipotle burritos to every person? This is... Okay. <laughs> Side tangent. One thing that I hate about going... that I love about going to concerts and I hate about going to concerts. Some artists never look at the people in the front row. Do you know how long those people Mm. waited in line to see you perform and you don't even look at them? They, AJR, literally got like 200 Chipotle burritos and handed it out to every single person at the front of the gate. And they said, thank you, because we know you've been standing here the longest out of everyone, which means you are the dedicated people that we love. Here's a freaking Chipotle burrito. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what? Yeah. That's that's sick. I love that. Well, and that's, I mean, I don't know. There, there, isn't, there isn't room now, I think. There isn't room now. There's all this talk about how, you know, everybody can make it, which I agree. Mm-hmm. I think there's, there is space for everybody, but there isn't room for people to do it without that level of authenticity. There's not room for people to do it like somebody else. There isn't room for two of the same thing. Yeah. yeah. And that's that's really how, how I feel, you know? And that's, I think, I mean, we're all on the same page about that. Yeah. I think we were always really good at taking cues from other people. Yeah. I think when we were start when we started, we had playlists on playlists of influences. Like I had notes on every marketing, you know, campaign that every artist put out. Just all we wanted to do was figure out how somebody did it so we could try to copy that too. Yeah. You know, and what worked for them because it will work for us. I think it's really been in the last nine months that mm-hmm. we've been like, but how would we do it? Yeah. What would we want? If yeah. we had, you know, if we had, you know, a blank check, if we had, you know, 
three weeks in a, a cabin in the woods. Like, how would we want to do it? Yeah. And then how do we get that blank check and how do we get that cabin in the woods? Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. And that's, Sign me up. Give me that. Yeah. You know? And But that's the thing is that, like, oftentimes you get these bands that are signed and have the budget to do really cool things, you know, or have the sponsors from Chipotle or whatever to do really cool things and then squander it on unoriginal ideas or unori- uh. uninspired music. Tell yeah. me about it. I'm like, <laughs> if I had the money right now, I could be doing so much more than I feel like I am. Because I think what I've convinced myself of is I, I used to be really down on myself as an artist because like I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know what genre I fit into. I didn't know where I where I sat in the music industry. And now I'm so confident in the music that I'm writing because it feels so authentically me. It's just music. I think what I define my genre is feel good music. Like I just want to write a song that when you listen to, it's going to make you feel amazing. It's going to make you feel sad. It's going to make you feel groovy. It's going to make you feel fun, whatever that means to you. I'm at this point now where I'm writing music that I really love that feels good to me. And it's not defined by a genre. It's just whatever I write. If I like it, I like it. I'm going to release it. Someone's going to like it doesn't matter. Everyone has different musical tastes. If I can hit one person each day with a different genre and or like different style and it hits them, great. But if I had the money to be able to fund it and like now I've got good music, okay, you need money to get people to listen. Yeah. Like that's what this industry is about. It's yes, it's about getting a good song, but it's about having the money behind it that will help you promote and market it. And but that's that's the thing too is that like I think what people don't like, what, what people, and, and I think we're sort of opening our eyes to as well is that like you could throw a bunch of money and, and people think it's like dollar for listens sort of thing, right. but that uh, it was a bubble and will mm-hmm. always be a bubble. And that doesn't necessarily mean like real engagement. The idea is how can you stretch the dollar? Yep. Like you can, and it's not about being lo-fi. It's not about being thrifty. It's about if you have 10 grand to drop, if you got three grand to drop, whatever, are you putting that towards like, ads across platforms that nobody will see? Or are you putting that towards creative ideas? Are you putting that towards 200 Chipotle burritos for the people in the front row? Exactly. Because yeah. those, those people are now going to have back. a story. Yeah. And they're going to have a story and they're going to be sharing it with their friends yep. or whatever. They're going to post about it on social media. We, we, have a, we, have a, we have a song coming out next year which is about the problems with sort of options that come from online dating. We're like, well, okay, instead of doing an ad like across platforms, what if we spend our budget on a, on a Tinder ad? You know, or something like that. Like, what that's if we we made so it smart. geared towards the cynicism that the song represents, yep. or something? I don't think that's the greatest idea I've had. There are more ideas to be had around the song that right. came from a manager saying, "Here's a budget. Yep. Like, what do you totally. want to do?" And and then I'm like, I've been complaining for three years. Like, we don't have the money to do cool ideas. And he's like, "Let me rephrase." <laughs> and now we have the money. What do you want to do? Have it. And then you're like, "Ah, oh, shit! Oh, now like, I got to come up with a cool yeah. idea." You're like, oh. "Yeah, I got to put my mouth where the money was." Right. As opposed to. Yeah. Other way. And which, you, which is sometimes hard. Like, I feel like I'm, I have a similar, like, I've had a similar journey as you as an artist because I, like, it absorbs so much information. But then when it comes, when if, if I was left in an empty room, it's like, what kind of music do you want to make? I'm like, I don't know. Like, it, like it's surprisingly difficult sometimes to figure out, like, okay, if left to my own devices, like, what, like, what is the thing that I, like, what are the good ideas that come yeah. to me? Well, because I think we're very good at being, like, I would do this if I, if, like, I would if blank. Like, yep. I, you know, I think we're really good at if I had more time, if I had more mm-hmm. money, if I had uh, more connections, then this thing would happen when the truth is, is that you could have all of those yeah. and still not necessarily have the thing that you're looking for. And I think that a lot of people do struggle with that. Bottom line is we're all screwed. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, I think, I think, I think, I think, I think bottom line is do what you got with what you got. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. Um, because 
the most priceless thing that you can have is creativity and artistry. Yeah. yeah. Because you could do a lot with $5. Absolutely. You know, you could do... I don't know what you, you could. Yeah, you, you, you'll be able to do more with $5 if you have a really exciting thing that you want to do with yeah. $5. Yeah, because you don't want to do what everybody else is doing. Or or even one of my favorite classes that I took while at school was um, concerts and touring with um, Jeff Dornfeld. And we watched this video that, about how Alice in Chains, is it Alice in Chains? Yeah. Mm-hmm. How they got famous. The way that they got famous was they paid a driver to purposefully like literally they said we're gonna give you x amount of money he was one of those billboard drivers so you know how like sometimes with old-fashioned like you're driving in the street and a car literally has a billboard attached yeah, to it yeah. and that's the only purpose for the car is just to put Carry an the ad. Billboard, yeah. yes they paid the driver to purposefully get stuck in what would be their considered Times square of london and they're like, whatever you do, do not move. I don't care if police officers come, you stay put. You pretend your car broke down and you do not move. Well, guess what? They had like maybe an eighth of the audience sold out before they did this. The next day after the car got stuck, they were sold out and added three more dates. And that's how they got huge over in the UK was because they freaking paid a guy to get stuck in the middle of like a huge London intersection. Well, and that's That's amazing. And and then you think about things like Bozzy. You think about how, you know, you could have put out mine, you know, in the same way that anybody else does and do ads or maybe make a video or whatever. But like, like a hilarious Snapchat filter that launches a massive career. Like that's, Uh, yeah. 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 But it's also, that's also one of those songs. It's just weird. Like it comes on and you're like, I've never heard anything like this. Yeah. And it's so like fun and like, and yeah, it's just so immediate that yeah, when paired with like such a, like a brilliant like marketing campaign, it just, it was inevitable that it was going to do what it does. And even artists are getting big on TikTok because they'll take their songs, like they'll cut up their songs and then add, let's say like a screaming chicken to it, right? I'm just making this up. Like, let's <laughs> say they took time and then in the middle of like the course of time, a screaming chicken comes on. Then all of a sudden these people are making videos mocking to that. And all of a sudden you can see the song name, you know? Time by Jackie Foster, and then they go find the song, and next thing you know, your song is big. Well, that's uh, my roommate was telling me about Y2K, where you know his song became part of a meme. Or when you think about the, um, I forget the name of the song, but the the song that was part of the mannequin challenge. Yep. I mean, and that was orchestrated a little bit. I know that was a yeah. little orchestrated, but like that that I mean, anytime something like that happens, it's just insane. Yeah. Well, so. Yes. We wrote a song together. We did write a song we together. We wrote a song called Poison. Though I, I believe there were also 25 other people yeah. <laughs> who worked on the song by the time I was said and done. I'm turning red. I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, I think what was interesting was the reason it passed through so many hands was that like when we started the song, mm-hmm. it was self-portraits. By the end of it, it was Jackie and self-portraits. But it was when we yep. started the song, it was a homework assignment. Yes, And then it, it was, was a self-portrait song. Which I didn't know. <laughs> it was I th- It was started as a homework Hot assignment. Hot 100 class. Yeah, it was for Hot 100 class. Yeah. Because I just remember being called into a random room, random yeah. classroom, classroom at like 9 p.m. Totally. With you and Gray. You're like, we hear you, right? I'm like, I don't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't, but okay, whoever yeah. told you that's well, wrong. I, I, I accidentally uh, started editing a lot in Hot 100 because whenever anybody met up at our dorm with Noah, I'd be sitting on my bed like reading or on my phone or whatever, mm-hmm. and somebody would like 
put out a line and after I heard it three times and it didn't work, I'd be like, it'd be better if you just like changed like those two words and then it would just like fit and like that thing that was like You're the bob- input no one ever wanted, but yeah. low key you need it. Yeah. It, was, it would always be just like a rhyme was like out of place or like a melody wasn't like resolving how like I, I just kept being like and so so they're like, You're right. I'm like, no. <laughs> But I'll try. I'll try. Um, it turned out great. <laughs> I, I don't. Rem- I don't remember what wound up being written in that room. But the, I think the concept sort of. You helped me write. I'm pretty sure you helped me write. Syak helped me write because he was there too. Syak wasn't in the room. Okay, it went through so many different phases yeah. because the problem with Poison Two was it was happening right during the voice. So it was like, do I release it before the voice or do I release it after the voice? Because I released it after the voice, I got a lot more time with it. So I think you helped me write the bridge. I'm contagious. Oh, I'm dangerous. Sayak helped with the chorus, and then we as a band kind of revamped the whole the whole verse and like chose a new melody. And then you guys recorded, and then we recorded together. it. Because I just remember hearing like you, you belting the high note it. at the end, yeah. through the door, yeah, like like oh in the gosh. in the hallway. You can love I think I wrote the nauseous yes. line. Yeah, though I that's rhymed the bridge. it. I think I, I think I rhymed it with I'm cautious. Contagious. No, no, but the oh, and the oh, oh, I'm oh the pre. Yeah, that's one of the best yeah. parts of the song is the freaking pre. <laughs> well, I think I think I tried to rhyme nauseous for like I was like be cautious. Yeah, and, but, I but I like I like it better where it's just like. That song's a bop. Oh, it's yeah, absolutely. I love that song. And that yeah. song is still to this day has the most streams of any other song, Poison. I really want to get back to like doing really, really good fun music like that. Cause that yeah. song just turned out so much better, I think, than I had expected it to. And of course, like it's like a hard ball to find out like how do you continue people to listen to a song that might be a year or two old? It's like how do you revamp a song? Cause I think it's one of those songs that even now could do really well. With because it it like was kind of in a, a middle. Well, it of a was weird... both of our evolving styles. I like, think yeah. we were yeah. trying to figure out where we were, and we're like exploring some like rock stuff. Mm-hmm. You guys were trying to explore some electronic stuff. Electronic. So we both were. There was even like at one point we were gonna maybe like do a video of all of us together. Yeah. And so we realized that we were going more in this direction. You guys realized we were going and like whatever. But it was interesting that the song sonically was like evolving and also so cool you know through yeah. There was, there was a lot of sessions after that first Hot One Hundred session where like I was sat down with Gray. And John and we just like recorded so many guitar ideas. So many. Almost none of them were used. But just like the process of being like, is this cool? Is this rock? Like just like, you know, just finding yeah. these like ideas that to inform me. I, I think I, I said on the podcast, like that was my first session or that was my first. Because I think I did roughly like, I don't know, half a dozen sessions before realizing that that's what it was. Yeah. Like I, th- I really felt like when we were coming, like when I was coming in, I was like, oh, well, that. Here's a word. I like this word would be cool. And then what if you put these words before it? I'm like, but you could write the song. Like, that's not a song. That's just words. Like, well, you know, I'm, you did that with Great Escape with me. Remember after my oh, birthday, after night, birthday night, you were you said to me, you're like, Jackie, this is a good song. Can you send the lyrics to me? Because I kind of want to see if there's like other ways that you can flip the phrases around. And some of the phrases I wound up being like, yeah, Nate, what the heck? That's really good. Like I never thought about which, that. Which is really funny. I When, when I send it out of notes, like I just don't remember them. Yep. But mostly because again, like it's not, I, I don't need credit. Like I don't need whatever. Like there have been times where I'll just give notes. I'm like, I don't need credit. Like whatever. Just yeah. fine. Somebody will say later like, oh yeah, you fixed that line. I'm like, I did? I did? <laughs> oh. Yeah. I, you probably didn't even know that you were doing sessions back then, but that's what it was. Like you... 
I, that was, I you think, helped write I think the that song. was one of the first sessions for sure. Absolutely. Um, that session had like a lot of people on it. Well, yeah. at the end, did Willie work on it too? Yes. Yeah. He did work on it. It was like <laughs> Dwilly, Sayak, and I gave um, credit Barry. to Nisma because she was in our original oh, group. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I had to give credit to her, like you two, <laughs> uh, my band of five people. <laughs> Hi, we're already at ten. I think people. I, I, we got we got the we got the split sheet, and I'm just like, is this a birthday invite? Right, like, it's more so a birthday yeah. invite at this point. There's um, yeah, it, it's it was, a, but it but it turned out so well, and that was my first time. I I actually don't think any of you guys knew this. That was the first time I'd ever co-written a song. Mm. Every song I did before that was me showing it to the band, them tweaking it, and that was it. So like doing that with you guys and like sitting down and actually being open to what other people say about my music and like what can I I mean I think we're so hot-headed as artists to be like no but it's mine. But like writing that song with you guys and with everyone like really introduced me to how helpful collaboration is and how monumental it is to changing a song. Yeah. Like well and I think in that micro Cosm, like I remember the feeling in that classroom was I want to do right by you because it's mm-hmm. your song and I was feeling a lot of like respect like oh but also I'm here for a reason yep. which I think is the ethos of the whole thing yeah. like I didn't and I didn't realize necessarily the significance of that at the time but any good session comes from that that give and take of Okay, well, I'm here for the artist, but the artist is listening to me. Yeah, and that's and and that's a sort of mutual back and forth respect. We were, we were talking about it on the way to coffee that yeah. like you were asking, well, you know, how do you know if it if a song's right for an artist or if they're gonna cut it? And I said, well, it's kind of like when you first start dating somebody, like there are plenty of reasons for like early relationships to just end, but you always hit that point where like, oh, well, it would suck if this ended. Yeah, like it would like there now there's now my parents know them or now like whatever. Yeah, there's always that part in the song too where if there's enough skin in the game, if there's a line or a melody that like they can't stop thinking about, like you have them. Like yeah, like they will they will cut the song come hell or high water because you know the songs that if there was a complication, if somebody needed a lot of money, if like you know like you had to go through some hoops to to make it happen, you'd be like oh full fuck that song. And you know the songs where it's like. Like this is a comp- I'm releasing this to like a trash can in Brooklyn, like that, and that it, it doesn't matter to me. Like, yeah, I, I will pay exactly, five thousand exactly. dollars to, to release that song to a trash, to can, a trash in can in Brooklyn. Like, well, and that's okay. So this, the reason why we were talking and that why I asked you this question was because I wrote this song. It's called Body Language. Originally, like it wasn't going the way I wanted to, and I talked to the producer Matt Browning, who I'm working on the song with, and I said, "Can you just do me a favor and can you cut?" Um, <laughs> Gray doesn't know this yet. I haven't told him. So Gray, if you're listening and you find this out first before I tell you, I'll make a conscious effort to call you and tell you this. <laughs> I said, can you cut every every part of Gray? Cut all of his guitars. <laughs> and it wasn't because I didn't like how he played it, but it was because we had originally written it on guitar. And all of a sudden I was like, no, it's not a guitar song. So I was like, mute all of his stuff. Listen to Camila Cabello. And I want you to like put like some marimba in it. It's basically like a song like Shape of You. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I said, do that. He resends me the song, Just Ideas, and I'm listening to it. I, no joke, played it on repeat in my car and like sang along to it for the next hour driving home to San Diego. And I thought to myself, I'm like, holy shit, this song's really good. Like this song's 
really good. I'm like, this could, this could go somewhere. And all of a sudden I'm thinking like, well, is it too good that if I release it, like it won't go anywhere, but maybe if I pitch it to someone, like they'll like it and it'll actually go somewhere. (laughs) So that's why I asked you that question. It's like, how do you know when you should keep a song and release it and just hope and pray that enough people that it's going to go off like you're hoping it will? Or do you give it to someone else and then have them hit it big with it? Well, How do you know? I mean, and that's always going to be the gamble. Yeah. I mean, you have plenty of songwriters who have artist careers, too, who have given their best songs to to pop writers. Mm-hmm. And on the one hand, we'll never have to worry about anything ever again. On the other hand, yeah. like, that could have been their star, you know? And I know. It's hard. I'll, I'll tell you when I find out, you know? Like, we'll, we're still yeah. trying to figure it out Definitely. for ourselves. I'll let I, you know in 20 years. But again, like, I think that there are songs, like, if I'm willing to pitch the song, if that thought is in my head like maybe it would be better with somebody else that means that i don't care about the song enough to hold on to it see and i love the song a lot so maybe that means it's, it's like if you, if you heard somebody else if you means. heard somebody else singing it and it would it kill you inside like that's the thing there are songs like I there know. are songs i've written that even though i think maybe it would be better if like so and so cut it or this you know and, and maybe i should try this pitch thing or even give it to a friend or something that like if I heard somebody else singing it, if I heard somebody else's name like attached to it, like yeah. I think my heart would break a little bit. And I think my heart would break too, but I also have this huge overwhelming fear of, well, maybe my voice isn't supposed to be commercial. But like there is no supposed to and there is no commercial. I like know. Su- supposed to is whatever is coming out this week that's changing the game. Yeah. Like the game will be changed Friday. Right. Like I can guarantee that. Yep. Like there is going to be stuff that comes out Friday that's going to inform the next generation of producers, yeah. also the current generation of producers, and also the careers of the people making it and how they are able to influence pop on the next releases. Right. Like there's no supposed to. And then commercial is is it making money? Mm-hmm. In which case, do you have a cool Snapchat filter? <laughs> like, I need to get one. Yeah, right. I don't <laughs> that's know. What you're telling no, me. I'm not. No, I'm. That's not. That, that was the plan two years ago. Not the plan anymore necessarily. Definitely not. Snapchat or it is. Filter. No, Who not knows? Snapchat. What do we know? TikTok do we know things? Filter? TikTok filter. TikTok, TikTok meme. Meme generator. TikTok dance. D- tic- MySpace. Now hear me out. I was I about to say, hear me out. MySpace video. <laughs> hear me out. Club Penguin. Flash mob. Club oh Penguin. Oh my gosh, Club Penguin. Yeah. Wow, that's my jam. Neopets. Yes. <laughs> Webkids. Uh, Hamtaros. All, yeah, Hamtaros. All is to say that, like, there is all of that is a narrative. That yeah. You, you know that you say to yourself, like, there are reasons to pitch a song to somebody. Yeah. It's all part of the the thing. There's no correct answer. There's no correct answer. I know. know? I just needed to like suck it up because like I said, it was going to be my next single and it was going to be released, but all of a sudden I'm hearing it and I'm thinking, wow, that's good. Well, what if I release it? Then maybe it won't go as far as it's supposed to. So maybe it has to be someone else and now I'm putting it on hold. But there's also, I mean, we were, we put everything, we were going to put out stuff this year and we had to put it out on hold for next year. There's always going to be those frustrations, but also like you, like, if it means that the thing is right, like the the patience is important. And we were talking about it, like after after the voice, there yep. were eyes on you. You know, uh, there were yeah. there were things that you know. But the truth of the matter is, is that you know those eyes just want you to do what you want to do. Yeah. And they'll hear it if it's rushed. They'll hear it. You know. And I think that that's the territory to navigate. Yeah. You know. It's just difficult. It's difficult to come off of a show like that and. And then say, okay, what next? Because you have a platform. You've all of a sudden got all these followers who are interested in you. You have those people that try to take advantage of you, which you try to see your way through those individuals. Um, 
but it's definitely been difficult because like I got off the show and then all of a sudden my band, we all had separate interests. And so we all decided to split ways. And um, it was just really difficult to find out, okay, what's my calling now? Because now I have to start literally square one because every song I ever wrote was with them and was for our band, which always had a rock edge to it. Now all of a sudden it was like, wait, I can write anything, which terrified me. Because and my I can't play an instrument. I mean, I probably could dabble if I wanted to or if I really took the time to like to dedicate myself to learning an instrument further than just the basic chords. But every single time I wrote a song, I sat down with Gray or I sat down with John and I was like, here's a melody. And they would come up with a chord progression like that. All of a sudden, that was all taken away from me. So I would like sit in my room sobbing, crying like, I'm not supposed to do this. Like... Uh, and then um, I kind of sucked it up and realized it was the biggest blessing in disguise. Well, and, and you, were, you were saying like coming off the show was like, was, was that mm-hmm. whiplash? You had all this stuff and now you don't have this stuff. And also, but you now have these eyes that want you to have all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. And how do you get and the that stuff? And then if you don't do that stuff, then all of a sudden people are like, oh, she's just another person from The Voice that didn't go anywhere. Like so many of us have unfortunately which is so sad i i've made a promise to myself i'm not going to be one of those people i've made that promise to myself i'm not going to do it yeah i might be a year behind i should have jumped on it right away but i just went through a really dark time of like self-doubt and 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 self-discovery during that after the voice about what do i really want to do but you, you know, time. you found friends too. You know, I see, I see the friends you made like on yeah. on Instagram, and I know they have your back. And totally. you're even saying like while we were setting up that like Adam still is like in your corner. You know, Adam and- Levine's the homie. He's really one of those individuals that if he hears an artist who really has potential, I think he really wants to do everything he can to just give the best advice possible. And and to this day, like I was mentioning to you guys earlier before the podcast started, was some of the best advice that I've received was from Adam Levine after a concert over Instagram. Like I literally even told him, I said, I think you need to do a TED talk about this because the <laughs> amount of people that you would inspire in the industry to just say, and and everyone knows every artist struggles. Some people get it easy, some people don't. But like he was so honest about you're going to have really shitty days. He was like, I had days where I just wanted to give up. I had days where I was like, screw this. I'm going to become a rap artist. I'm like, what? <laughs> Adam, what do you mean? Like he just bas- basically said there was one saying, and I really want to find it in my phone. Um, I don't have my phone on me right now, but it was basically about like something when the lightning strikes, it strikes in multiple ways. Like it's never just one. There's always a branch. Mm -hmm. And he was like, you are the lightning. So when you strike, know that you're not just going to hit one thing. You're going to hit multiple. And that was like really cool for me to think like a storm doesn't always come. But when it does come, like it has major impact. Mm -hmm. And it was just such cool advice for him to be like, when you strike, when it's hot, when it's ready, know that your strike will hit multiple things. No, I mean, and that was when we, when we started, like when things were like rough, like we mm-hmm. always used to say, like there'll be more and they'll be better. Yep. Like whenever there was, you know, we were in the dumps about it, whenever we played a bad show, whenever, you know, like a song came out and it didn't, didn't do as well, there'll, there'll be more and they'll be better. Um, and then now we say, you know, bit by bit, then all at once. Because yeah. that's the thing is like, and I said this before, and you know, every action has an unequal chaotic reaction. Like, we could be doing all these crazy big gestures or plans or, you know, write things that we think are hits. And then we write something that we, you know, thought was kind of like a toss out. And that winds up catching like yep. fire. I don't know. We don't, we don't know shit. Yeah. And we, we won't can't know, prepare we, yeah. for any of it. You know, like that. And that's the thing is like, you can't, you really yeah. can't. It all goes like, back to what we started in the beginning. It's all about authenticity and just like 
having the right intentions, but not having too much intention behind you, what you do. It's like, just let it flow. Well, it's like improvisation. Know the theory, know what's happening around you, know everything like there, and then shut off. Just, yeah, forget all this. Just forget everything. You know, think enough to get yourself to a place where you can not think and then you can do good work. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like it just, it's so cool how all these people can, oh my gosh, just do what they do. Well, and that's the thing. Like I could, I could mindlessly be doodling right now and it'd yeah. be a bunch of squiggles, like a lot, you know, <laughs> like shapes or like whatever. Have you seen like an actual like artist, artist mindlessly doodle? Never. Like they can draw the most beautiful figures and faces yeah. and creatures and everything like that with like if I was sitting giving all of my attention, could not do. Yeah. You know? Well, it's, it's like that thing that the guy said to you at the party. Someone, someone at a, it was actually a party at Noah Gopin's house. Someone, someone oh, talked to me is just like, I you know, I think about, I think about lifting weights. It's like, it's like the guy, the guy who's lifting 50 pounds and the guy who's lifting 10, like the, their experience is roughly the same. Cause like once you get to a certain point, like once you uh, we're accustomed to the thing that you're doing, yep. like if you're, if you're pushing at your limit, your human experience of the thing is like, is is the same like everyone's having the same experience of pushing their limit it's just your limit changes yeah like we can all do something that a good chunk of people can't do yeah without having to think about it right you know like i can't sing like you without having to you know well a full stop (laughs) i can't sing like you full stop stop but also i can't do certain things vocally like you could do runs without having to think about it yeah Or, or even improvise over stuff i really have to think about it and practice it and stuff like that. Whereas like we could jam on the piano, you know, and not have to look at our hands or like anything like that. Do you remember the project for Hot 100 where I was supposed to be the producer? Oh, yeah. Literally had almost a full blown meltdown. Cause I'm like, I don't know how to do this. Whereas if you sat on the computer mindlessly, oh, you need to EQ, your voice does this, but you need yeah. impact noise done. You need this. Oh, we need to compress this. Blah. It's like, uh, right over my head. I can't. I don't understand production. I wish I did, but at the same time, I just don't think I'll ever. Which well, is okay. And, and that's the thing. Yeah. I went. That's I, not my strong suit. I did go to. Side. I did go to school for it. Yeah. I did major in it, and I understand everything he's doing. If gun to my head, I had to make something that sounded like him. I couldn't do it. Yeah. I wanted to talk about Great Escape. Yeah. Because that just came out, and I apparently helped. <laughs> you did. You helped. I think more than you than you realized. Um, what does that song mean to you? Uh, so, Great Escape was the story after the voice. Um, it is how I was feeling really down. Like I said about having everything and then having nothing all at the same time. That was the harsh reality of of going on a TV show. You know, you have fans. You've got you're given wardrobe and you have hair and makeup for three hours. Like you're literally treated like royalty. And then you get off the show and three days later, you're thrown right back at your school where no one gives a shit about the fact that you were on a TV show. They're like, good for you. We're all trying to make it. So what? Well, and that was like the, the, the great and terrible thing about Berkeley is no matter what happened to you, you had the people who cared way too much about the dumb shit. Yeah. Like the, we got our first Spotify playlist, which I think bumped us up to like 8,000 monthly listeners. Yeah. And I didn't pay for lunch for a month. Yeah, like people that's were great. Take, taking us out, whatever. Love that. You know, on the other hand, the people you actually like care about, who have had some modicum of success, who you yeah. want to like actually talk to about it, mm-hmm. are, like don't give a fuck. They don't like, care. Yeah. No one cares, and that's and <laughs> like and it made me sad because I'm not like expecting people at Berkeley or or anywhere I went to be like, oh, congratulations. But but it is hard to talk about something good because yeah. 
it's good with a bunch of asterisks and footnotes and and a bunch and, of eye rolls like good for you yeah. we get it we watched you but congrats it's, like, it's good but also like i want to talk about how it was good in some places but bad in really other bad places in others. and it's like yeah. you know it's hard to talk about that honestly and not come off as ungrateful mm-hmm. yeah. so, so so the song great escape basically came from that experience of feeling high highs and low lows and and being in a in a point in my life where I didn't leave my bed until two o'clock in the afternoon like I literally stayed in bed because I had no want to do anything I was so down and out about what had happened and then getting nothing having no you know I kind of hoped people from record labels would call or management would want to reach out to me and it didn't happen and I think maybe I set my expectations too high or maybe I was Maybe I was consumed by the show that thinking that this is going to be what's next. And you cannot plan for anything. Like you cannot expect something to happen. So Great Escape is that story of I'm low. I'm in a really dark place right now, but I know it's what I'm supposed to do. So Jackie, get your head out of your ass and say, we're going to make the Great Escape. We're going to get out of this pit that we're in and we're going to shoot for something higher, higher than we can ever dream. And that's what Great Escape is about. And in the pre-chorus, I say, I've tasted gold. I've tasted gold and I know I want it. I need it so bad. I've tasted gold. I know I want it. I need it so bad. And your note. I was literally about to bring that, though I don't remember making a note about it. I was just going to bring up that, like, I loved that line because that's the crux of it. And that's what your note exactly was. was Your note was, you literally said to me, you're like, this is the essence of the song right here. Like literally right during that paragraph, you said, Jackie, this is the essence of the song. This is what your song about is about. And I love that. Like it wasn't a fix it. It was, th- that's what you need. This is mm. what it's about. I'm glad, I'm glad <sighs> me and, uh, and, and me four months ago, five months ago, whatever, right. are on the same page. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, glad that we have the same note. And that's what it's about. It's like, I tasted gold and I need it so bad. So I'm going to work my ass off to get it again. Yeah. To work towards that. And uh, I'm really proud of the song. And Great Escape was my first new image of Jackie. It was no longer self-portraits, Jackie. It wasn't Jackie Foster and self-portraits, Poison. It was This Is Me, and it's a feel-good song, and it's a song about like overcoming adversity, overcoming challenges, anything that holds you back, whatever is keeping you underground, like breakthrough and get above ground. Like that's what that's what the song's about. I'm really proud of it, and I'm excited for the songs that are coming after it. It's all within that type of feel-good music. Well, it's and that's I was about to say, it's authentic and it's honest Mm -hmm. you know and actually comes from a dark place yeah but it feels good to listen to yeah the song's uppity and happy yeah i love that and that's what that's what paramore did with their after laughter album oh my god yeah well uh, every song was depressing but every song had the sonic palette of like a uplifting happy go lucky song but really you listen to the lyrics and you're like i'm depressed well (laughs) i'm thinking even like a little earlier than that like I think Ain't It Fun is a fucking masterpiece. Yes. I'm pretty sure the song won a Grammy. I'm, it Somebody told me that. If it I didn't, think that's, I think that's, yeah. This is sad. But, oh. Such a good song. Oh, my God. Well, that's the thing is that, like, it's it's such a stark message, but it's like, like, it's like, it's, it's got this, like, ah. Uh, I just want to listen to this. <laughs> We're wrapping Cute. this right now. Ain't it fun? No, Play, I'm just kidding. Ain't it fun? Are you ready for the question round? Oh, yes. First question is, what's your phone background? My phone background is a picture of me and Brandon at Lollapalooza. It's really goofy and Aww. I love it. Nice. <laughs> uh, do you have a non-musical hobby? I love to hike. Ooh. Oh my gosh, it feels so good to get out in nature and just... 
I don't know, just like forget about everything, all the stresses that are going on in life. So hiking. Definitely. Uh, do you have a skill that you would like to have? A skill I would like to have. I would love to be a better dancer than I am. I think I'm so awkward when I get on a dance floor. I'm like, I try to like move my body in ways. I'm watching the people next to me dance. I literally mimic people next to me. I think I can move because that's how Brandon and I met was because he watched me dance and then told me I was a good dancer. I think he's full of shit and just wanted to flirt with me. But I think I would love to dance better. You have to be like, tell me, tell me straight. Right. Tell me straight. Can tell I me, dance? Can I dance? He'll be like, yeah. I just thought you were cute. I want to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> What's your superpower in life as mm. Jackie Foster? It's kind of a really deep question. I think my superpower as Jackie Foster is I have the wonderful ability, and I don't know who it came from, which family member it came from, but I am always the person that is there to listen. I think that, and I've always told my friends, like, I'm a fun person. I'm bubbly. I like to enjoy, like, time with others. But I think the part that really shows me and who I am is when I get one-on-one -on -one time with a friend and the two of us sit down and they feel comfortable enough to tell me whatever they want and I'm always there to listen like I am the friend that you go to when maybe you're having the shittiest time in your life come talk to me I will listen to you if you don't want advice I won't give you advice if you want advice I'll give it to you but like I think that that's what my superpower is is the ability to just like have a compassionate heart towards others and, and what people are going through. I think that is a superpower. Yeah. That's a great answer. Would you be a pirate? No. <laughs> I'd be I'd be a dead pirate from Pirates of the Caribbean, the ones underwater. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. The first pirate. <laughs> um, do you have any tattoos? I do. What was I have, your first one? I have one tattoo. So my first one is my only one. And it's um right here on my sh on the back of my shoulder and what it says <laughs> like going away from the mic <laughs> um this is a tattoo i always knew i wanted um for me like i'm christian so my relationship with god is very important to me um because i i started off you know singing in the choir at church and and for me there's an experience that when i sing i feel i don't know if untouchable is the right word to use but i feel safe i feel like nothing can stop me that's where i feel the strongest and the most powerful and i think a lot of that is because when i sing i connect into like a deeper part of myself that for me feels like it comes from god so um i told my parents at the age of 18 that i wanted to get a tattoo that says i feel him through music mm. when i feel most connected to my religion is when i sing and my parents were like that's great. Get a t-shirt. Don't get a tattoo. <laughs> I went, absolutely not. For my 21st birthday, they hired an artist to actually paint. I feel him through music. Well, right after I got off the voice, I went and got a tattoo. They're like, really? The painting wasn't enough? I'm like, nah, nah. it's meant to be <laughs> on my body. Yeah. So it's like, it's the, probably the one and only tattoo I'll ever get, but it's the tattoo that I'm really proud of. Is the handwriting uh, like a somebody's or, or no i just spontaneously saw this tattoo shop and brandon and i both said today's the day and we walked in and we got it like right then and there it was cool that's awesome nice. uh, what was your first concert my first concert <laughs> was an american idol tour concert Ooh. so you know how after american idol they would take all the yeah, contestants yeah, yeah. on tour yeah that was my first <laughs> concert ever i forget which season it was it might have been like the david archuleta season oh nice. you know yeah. which one yeah, i'm talking know, about right with up, david yeah. cook and david archuleta yeah yeah, yeah. yeah i'm pretty that. sure was that i mean on that season too i think i think 
was he on that season? I think Elliot might have. I went to like three of them in a row. So that was my first ever official concert. But single artist um, with like just one person, Beyonce. Nice. Oh, that's a good yeah, one. Yeah, Staples wow. Center, Los Angeles. Nice. Great. Oh, that's good. That not definitely not as cool as my first concert. <laughs> my first concert was Serge Tankian from System of a Down with the Milan Symphony Orchestra. Now mine mine was <gasps> yes at Jones Beach. So yeah, y'all so, can uh yeah, that's, yeah. That's, Beyonce, Beyonce is, is great. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to know what Brandon's was? What? The Jonas Brothers. Oh, that wow. was his wow. first ever so concert. Wow. We're like, wow. we need to make it full circle. They're on tour right now. And my buddy, um, my buddy Mark is singing back on for them. So we're like, we need to go. Yeah. We need to go see them. We also know Michael. Do you know Michael? Yeah, yeah yep. Michael's also playing. He's keys. keys on, yeah. yeah, Michael Wooten. And then Mark Joseph is doing backgrounds. And then I think we might know someone else that's involved. Ugh, all my friends are doing cool stuff, yeah. man. This this is an important question for okay. Jackie Foster. What is your go-to karaoke song? Ooh, my go-to karaoke song. Well, naturally, I'm going to sing something Paramore, probably, yeah. because so many people tell me how often I sound like Haley, which, wow, that's a beautiful compliment. Thank you to those who have said that. So it'll probably be, I hate to say, I told you so. I told you so on the new album, After yeah. Laughter. I hate to say, I told you so. But also, I love, man, I feel like a woman, Shania Ooh. Twain. Mm. I do Sugar We're Going Down. It's a great song. Yeah, because I... I can sing it if I haven't had anything to drink and haven't talked to anybody that night. <laughs> right. And I can barely sing it. Uh, if you if include had, those two if things. If I include those two things, <laughs> which makes it even better. <laughs> what is your favorite movie, book, and TV show, respectively? Ooh, 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 ooh. Okay, so I'm going to say favorite movie of all time still to this day, because it gives me chills every time I watch it, is um, The Dark Knight with the Joker. Yep. Now granted, I'm gonna try and see the new Joker movie tonight after oh, wow. my two sessions. <laughs> we'll see how that goes if I'm awake, but that might change to my new favorite movie because I've heard incredible things about Joker. I've heard mixed reviews. So I I'm, have too. I'm curious. So Dark Knight movie-wise. Book-wise, nah, I'm not much of a book reader, which is horrible. So we'll skip the book part because <laughs> okay. I really didn't do much book, many books growing up. TV? TV. Oh my gosh, I'm a TV fanatic. It's oh, really same, unhealthy. Same. No, I mean, no, we, we, we watch a lot of TV. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's really unhealthy how much TV I watch. Housewives of Beverly Hills and Orange County. Okay. Yes, love it. I've been a Grey's Anatomy fan since day one, and I'm not one of those people. No shame to anybody that did this. Shade to any, I keep saying shame. What's wrong with me? No shade to anyone that did this. But all you fakers who went on Netflix and watched and binged every season, people, I've been there since day one. <laughs> That's how I feel about people who watch uh, like Lost or yes. like Breaking Bad and stuff. I'm like, between the episode she smashes the rock and uh, and the other thing that happened after that, I right. had to wait a year. And between right. between Hank finding out on the toilet about about Walt and and the rest of the show, the way to fucking year a year and you year. just get to watch the next get one. to watch it like you just get yeah. to, like nothing happened <laughs> like there's no ugh, ugh. i'm like I, it makes me so bitter <laughs> i love riverdale i love riverdale oh, yeah. that was those would be probably my faves I like it. and any cooking show mm. i think i mentioned it to you this earlier i was saying to yeah, noah yeah. i have watched 
so many, not cooking, but baking. I have watched so many baking shows that I have convinced myself and I am very confident that I could be a professional baker. I kid you not. I think I could be a pro baker. What are you waiting for? I told Noah I'm supposed to bake a cake today, but I have to postpone it because things like came up and new sessions came up today. But I'm going to bake a cake. I will post it on my social media so everyone can see the proof that I am meant to be a star baker. It's true. You heard it here first, folks. Foster's Banana Foster. (laughs) Right. Can't you just see it? I can see it. (laughs) Ugh. It's meant to be. Meant to be. Um, what's your favorite sound? Do you have a favorite sound? Well, this is just, so I have ticks. Like I have little things that I do. Like I always need to move my hands and, um, I always take my rubber bands, which is why I don't currently have any on me. Cause I've broken every rubber band, every <laughs> hair tie I've ever owned in my entire life. I always break them. And there's a certain sound where I twist. Oh God. It's so weird. I twist the hair ties and like literally the sound of it, like sliding against each other and like the feeling on my fingers this is really weird about me i have to do it you will see me always playing with a hair tie because like there's something about the feeling and the sound of it that is so soothing to me oh it's wonderful you all should try it (laughs) yeah sure you just went somewhere i don't know where you went it's it's so weird it's like it's my calming we all went went it's it's a calming effect for me like (laughs) i used to twirl my hair okay that is so annoying to watch someone twirl their hair so instead of twirling my hair i started like literally i'll take a rubber band and i'll twist it like this i usually have like a necklace with like a key on it and And you'll do that yeah yeah Yeah. like in every necklace i've ever owned for that for that reason reason. there's something about it's like it's about the physical sound and like actually the touch of like doing it that's calming so yeah power habit Mm -hmm. um what's the best date you've been on best date i've ever been on or just a particularly nice one that makes you that comes to mind I don't know. Brandon and I, we're so low key. Like, and this, what I love about Brandon is that we were romantic towards each other, but not in the most like conventional ways. Like some of my favorite times with Brandon have literally been us. Like when we wake up in the mornings is our favorite time because we wake up in the morning and we like have pillow talk, not nighttime pillow talk, but like morning pillow talk. (laughs) And we just laugh and he always like tickles me. Our roommates hate it because they're always like, shut up. But like nothing weird's going on. Like we're just laughing. And I think that like times when I can like wake up next to him and like we have those moments that no one else gets to see. And like, it's not a going on a date to a nice restaurant. Like, yeah, we can go on dates, but okay, that's, you know, it's like a blip. Whereas like every morning, like we are always laughing. He's always trying to like hold me down. I try to get out of bed and he literally like uses his strength to keep me there. And he's like, (laughs) you are not leaving. Like you are staying here and we're staying put here. So even though it's not like a date, it's just, that's my favorite time. It's like every morning when we get, like we goof off. Like that's when our our most goofy. That's adorable. Oh, Brandon, Um, love you. (laughs) Shout out. Um, Shout out. Can you whistle? That is that is my worst talent is whistling (laughs) really like I cannot what my whistling sounds like is the bird noises in Blackbird by the Beatles go go for it go for it so like that's as much as it goes I can't whistle on pitch I can't do anything me neither every time I want that talent it makes no sense I want that talent I don't understand how it happens I don't understand I just don't understand it like if someone told me to like whistle 
like let's say I did like wise men say only fool doesn't happen it's unfair yeah right ugh I can't I wish I could show off <laughs> show off uh, what are three thoughts you have at this very moment at this very moment um uh, thoughts the I don't most know. stressful question the most stressful yeah that is a really stressful question i guess it's more so like i love being able to sit with you guys because i'm comfortable with you it's not like i'm walking into some people that i don't know and it's like oh god what are they gonna ask me <laughs> like is it gonna get too personal so my thought is like i'm really happy to like be here with you my second thought is how good it feels for my ring to scratch against my knuckle because i'm literally oh doing this Can't right now and i have an itch on my knuckle i'm ringless and i don't i can't relate i swear people are going to listen to this podcast and be like what is wrong with me <laughs> i have weird little things that i do it's called being a musician guys yeah, look it yeah. up like, yeah uh, come no. at me um so it's that and then one thing is like i'm excited for new things to happen and the second thought is or third thought is this coffee tastes really good nice there we go what are you most proud of my ability to overcome things and not let what others say about me dictate what I do. Um, I'm really, really proud of, of my the strong he- head that I have built over the last eight years of my life because anyone who knows my story, even though it was never shown really on any, on the voice, they never wanted to talk about it, but I got bullied really, really bad in high school and middle school. I wound up turning my experiences around to become a positive thing. Um, I've always felt like I should be a spokesperson because maybe I just have that personality of just like, I just love to talk and I love to um, speak to people, which is why I love being a good listener because I just really want to connect with others. But I wound up starting a program in my middle school called Soul Effects with a teacher who came to me after hearing my experience getting bullied in in my middle school and high school. And we started a, a bullying program where middle school kids can team up with a high schooler and share in their experiences and high schoolers even though we're not the most wise but a lot of us have overcome a lot in high school in that transition and um, it's built to become a huge program in southern california and branching out into other spaces of the united states and and i got to do a whole assembly in front of my entire high school about my story and why i started the program and i think for me it's like the most proud i've been to take something really really traumatizing something that easily could have ended my life and i chose to make sure that it didn't end my life and my goal is to always inspire others through music through talking, through the actions that I do, that um, there's cruel people in this world. And I, I want to make sure that those who are experiencing the cruelty are always heard and always understood. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. Yeah, that's great. I think it's it still kind of breaks my brain a little mm-hmm. bit when people are textbook evil. <laughs> like, I think, I, think I, I can understand, like, gray area or, like, self-interest evil, but, like, textbook there is no redeeming no. other side of looking at this like that and i've met those people they're not nice no yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah i just i like that breaks my brain a little bit and i just I, you know although i think it's interesting that like i often as a people i feel like people don't want to hear about somebody who was bullied especially somebody yeah. who is positive whatever they want to hear about how somebody who is put together has been knocked down but i think yeah. if anything you're strong not by how you hold yourself up, but by how you got yourself up. Yeah. And I think that Mm. it's not about avoiding the hole. It's about like learning 
how to sort of get out of it. Yes, That's, how to get out of it. It's it's all about the process of going through it. Yeah. It's not about like, oh, I'm sad. Now I'm happy. It's like, no, 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 <laughs> no. Yeah. There's a whole bunch of steps that you have to take in order to feel like you are right with yourself. Well, I, I try to wear it on my sleeve too. Mm-hmm. I don't like I don't let anybody sort of take that from me. Like, oh, you're you're a positive guy. You're, you know, they think good yep. things are happening. I'm like, you need to see all of this you need to see everything it took to get there yeah like before we can have like a real conversation about absolutely not even just like any kind of like professional thing just being a person and being like emotionally okay yeah how what all the sort of steps and stuff that shit takes i you know i feel like not enough people are talking about it and and Mm -mm. and you know the the casualties of that are are apparent you know. They are. They definitely are. And but, oh, luckily, the conversation's happening. It is, know. which I'm so happy it is. But back in like high school, it was. It still wasn't really being talked about. Now, four years later, five years later, like people are really opening up about that, which I love. And I, I still am always a supporter of any any anti bullying movement, anything that I see online. I just think it's important. So I think growing up, the thing that was really complicated um, about about mental illness and about struggles and stuff was I was going up around the time of like young adult novels mm-hmm. and and those sort of TV shows and stuff to the point where like that struggle um and the sort of emo-ness of yep. it uh was almost fetishized like I, I had a bunch of friends who considered the value of the people around them by like what they had suffered yeah. to the point where they you know self-sabotaged and, and and to the degree where I feel like there's so many people in our generation now who self-destruct as just yeah as as a way of coping as a way of like you know, that that's what they were taught. I, you know, I, I'm only now starting to realize a lot of different stuff in that space, you know, misunderstanding and depression and, yeah. you know, all of those things and, and, and made and made you almost cool for being so yeah. wildly misunderstood. It was like the sad boy effect. Like everyone loved the sad boys. Yeah. And then the sad boys became assholes <laughs> who wouldn't get help. Yeah. And would br- drag everybody down and, and refusing to find a way out because their identity was tied into being sad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think it's bullshit. Thing. I think it's like, what's, and, and this is I a really fetish side. I want being happy. Thank like, you. This is a really a, bad side tangent. But like, I've always said, like, my thing was I'm always smiling. Well, being smiling and happy is not cool in the industry. Every single, if you see a lot of the women, they're like the cool, smug, like sexy face, like, oh yeah, I'm cool girl. Like, yeah. I don't care. I'm like, that's not me. But also Lizzo just had a number one. So it's like- And I think Lizzo's the t- an amazing I think inspiration. the tide is yeah. shifting. Tide is it shifting. is. It's yeah. cool to be happy now. It's cool to smile in Instagram or, photos. Or, or at the very least, because obviously the other side of it is like the, the need to be happy as the sort of like be all end all goal that is unsustainable, I yeah. think the conversation that we're having now is like building foundations, yeah. mm-hmm. b- building um, support networks, uh, knowing when to get help or find help, like, mm. n- you know, understanding, am I anxious and depressed or have I just not slept <laughs> enough right. or eaten yeah. enough or spoken to the right, you know, person or whatever, like, like finding ways of dealing with things so you could get happy yeah. and not glorifying sadness. Yeah. And lastly, but certainly not leastly, what are you most excited for? I'm just excited for people to finally see me. I think I've been hiding for a while. I think that I haven't let my true self really shine in 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 the music that I've written. And that's no shade on my band. It's just, it was five opinions about one thing. And now I'm writing music that I'm so 
happy to release that I want people to listen to. And I'm so excited for people to understand who Jackie Foster really is, what her music is about, what it means to listen to my music and feel good about yourself, what it means to listen to my music and relate to the stories that I tell that maybe someone else is going through, but no one wants to talk about it. Um, I think 2020 is going to be a year that changes me for the better because it'll be when I'm finally ready to release my music. Like I've got five songs in store that I'm ready to roll out over the next five months and just go, 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 go. And like finally have music and get to play. And I mean, I played freaking Lollapalooza. That has been such a huge accomplishment. Something that I never, ever dreamed would happen. Now Lala's over. Jackie, what's next? What's the next festival you can play? What's the next venue you want to go to? Who do you want to go on tour with? Like, these are the things I'm thinking about now in my five-year plan to say, it's go time, Jackie. Pull up your pants. Let's, like, get dressed. <laughs> Let's get ready. Yeah. It's showtime. And I'm, I'm so excited to, I'm excited to take my artistry seriously. And I hope others take it seriously, too. Nice. Well, we're excited. We're, uh-huh. we're looking forward to all of it. Hey, we'll probably write. I was going to say, when are we going to yeah. write our next hit? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's the thing. Like, <laughs> I'm just, I'm, I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad that we can all talk and hang and, and to, to many more. Cheers so, to the coffee on that one. Cheers, cheers to the coffee, the matcha. And Noah's just lagging. He's in the other room. <laughs> Mine is all just melted ice at this point, though. But thank you for coming on. Thank you guys for having me. I'm excited. And I hope that those who listen to this podcast always get an insight of you, too, as well. With everyone you interview, I think they do. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll, we'll have our chats with everybody. We'll have our chat exactly. (laughs) Well, thank you guys. I appreciate it. Love you both. We would like to thank Jägermeister and Isotope for their early support of Talking Lion.